Welcome to God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enloe. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate that. Greetings, and welcome back to God's Love Language with Joe Enloe. I am Joe, and I am honored that you have chosen our podcast for your listening pleasure. I have one administrative announcement to make before we get started. January's podcast will be posted on the 10th instead of the 3rd, so that means the second Tuesday in January instead of the first Tuesday in January. God's love language, which is obedience, by the way, His love language, it is a podcast devoted to discipleship so that marriages and families can glorify the Lord. We have broken down the steps of a devoted life to, a, to God and apply them to the five basic relationships. They are the individual and God, the couple and God, being parents and God, being a child in a family and God, and number five, being a sibling and God, being raised in the family. When you understand the five basic relationships and what you should learn in each stage, you will see how they are meant to come together to form a system, a microchurch, if I may, the core of the church of Jesus, the bride of Christ. And then you can understand God's purpose for the family. We are currently in our third episode on the couple and God, and it is entitled Marriage 3, Relationship and Fellowship. I want to begin this episode by talking about the marriage institution and the effects it will have on your life, especially regarding relationship and fellowship. Marriage was a specific invention by God. It has a purpose, and it is not to be taken lightly. The marriage ceremony is a celebration of the coming together of two Christian individuals, a man and a woman, to continue their lives for the Lord. It should not be solely a dream for a little girl or boy for a future event. In fact, it should not be entered into unless you have a relationship and fellowship with God firmly on target. By that, I mean you are in relationship with God through your salvation, and then you are working through your sanctification by entering fellowship with God. Sanctification takes place when you are obedient to the Word and are in a lifelong process of renewing your mind and behaviors to conform to the will of God by being as much like Jesus on earth as humanly possible. This happens because of being in fellowship with God and Jesus. You follow God's will and it determines your choices and behaviors in this life so that your life brings glory to His name. You do not try to adapt your Christianity to your life on earth. You give up your life as an individual separated from God, take on the nature and life of a truly devoted child of God, and live your life here on earth trying to fulfill God's plan for you. You know it is in His plan when your life brings glory to Him not you. Your life as a Christian is not about you, but you reap the benefits of a blessed and abundant life that comes from being in fellowship with God, which is obedience to His Word and following His commands and instructions. 
The greatest part about this is you feel complete when you're doing His will. God has a plan for you here and now, not after you die and go to spiritual life. That'll be something different. Yield to Him and it will all make sense. This seems completely illogical and against our sin nature, and that is why it works. One of the ways that God's will is demonstrated in your life is when you let God choose your spouse, when he orchestrates your meeting and union because you surrendered your will to his. It is the best case scenario. You should have learned about relationship and fellowship during our individual Christian walk with God. We had a couple of episodes on that earlier. That is your purpose as an individual and then as a couple to hear his voice, do his will, glorify his name. There is a progression intended here. First, as an individual relationship, then as a couple. But no matter which you did first, God can still use both relationships to glorify his name and work in your marriage. As a couple, you first become related when you get married. A covenant relationship is established. And then you take the fellowship that was begun during your courting time to a new level. Many couples will stop and reflect on this moment, the moment they grasp that they are no longer single, but a married couple in a covenant relationship. It changes everything. You become co-disciples for God, co-ministers, and your marriage becomes a micro-church that is part of the church of Jesus, the bride of Christ. Unlike the relationship that is established when you are born into a, a family, the marriage relationship can be terminated and the fellowship destroyed. The fellowship that is lost after a divorce or the death of a spouse is what many people will miss the most. On the other hand, problems can arise in a marriage when individuals just rely on the relationship to get them through the challenging times. They do not put much effort into the fellowship portion of the relationship. But just like justification and sanctification with God, relationship and fellowship, to enjoy the marriage relationship, we must follow the guidelines for the way we treat our spouse given in the Bible. These are given in passages such as we find in 1 Peter and Ephesians 5. But really, the whole Bible and its teaching on love can tell you how to treat your spouse. Did you know that what that when you honor your spouse by loving them and treating them the way the word teaches us, you are honoring God. In fact, you are growing and becoming more like Jesus when you treat your spouse the way that the Bible commands. That also glorifies God. The closer you get to your spouse in fellowship, the closer you get to the image of Jesus. Do not bring disgrace to God or yourself and your spouse by not fully honoring your marriage covenant. And that includes the fellowship portion. When you put little effort into fellowship with your spouse, it can devastate the marriage relationship. You may remember times in your life when you stopped having fellowship with God and then you fell back into your sin nature and maybe you even stopped attending church. Soon your life did not look any different than before you knew God. It can be the same with your marriage relationship. You hear hints of this when one spouse says, uh, well, I married them, didn't I? Or I work and put food on the table. Doesn't that show them how I feel, or that, that I love them? Well, consider what Dr. David Anderson says in his book, Maximum Joy. A relationship brings with it certain rights and privileges, but not necessarily peace, joy, love, 
and happiness. These eternal riches are the fruit of fellowship. It is the fruits attached to the fellowship of a marriage that lead you to become best friends with your spouse if you were not previously. It is what builds you both up and prepare you to overcome all obstacles together. And it means that if all other friends have disappeared from your life, you will always have each other. Most importantly, it leads to the fulfillment of what God intended to accomplish in the Garden of Eden when he said it was not good for man to be alone, and so he created woman. Remember in my earlier episodes, I have said that Adam was not lonely. He had God, and God fellowshiped with him daily. But it, but it wasn't good for Adam to be alone because he could never learn to love as God does as only one individual. This includes the attributes of love such as being humble, selfish or selfless, having and loving children, and learning that it is better to give than receive, and sharing the love of God with another human being. Remember what I said about love. Love is not love unless it is given away, unless it is expressed. Love longs for expression. God, by virtue of being love incarnate, had to share or express that love and is glorified when that love is returned by his creations, us. Being imagers in his likeness, we thrive and function best when we express love and get love in return. That basic desire is what drives people to write love songs, movies, books, poems, and in fact, yes, get married. The enemy knows this and he perverts all these areas with a counterfeit love and fake feeling of fulfillment, all which is only temporary and against the true expression of love that God had created. The point is that love is the most important thing that enhances fellowship in a relationship, and the lack of it can ruin our relationship, even in biological relationships like children and parents. You are related to your parents by birth, but if the parents and children do not communicate because of some disagreement or past hurts, then they have no fellowship. And that relationship is now skewed. But you must remember that love is not just an emotion. It is personified in your behavior, and your behavior is the manifestation of your beliefs. You must give love in word and in deed or in action, just like God and our Savior Jesus did. That is the key to an abundant life here on earth. That is the key to producing the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit of fellowship. There is a principle at work here. The closer we get to someone or something, like a spouse or money, the more important it is to us. The more we desire it, the more we love it and show that we love it. That same principle holds true about Jesus in our lives. The closer we get to Jesus, the greater our desire to witness and live for him becomes. Lovers know about this principle also, and it shows when we brag about our spouses. The truth is that we talk about what we love the most. Most folks love their kids more than anything on earth, so they brag about their children every chance they get. They show pictures of them every chance they get. Some people love possessions more than anything else. So you will hear them talk about money or how they invest or about their new boat or about maybe a new vacation home that they bought. 
some guys love sports, so they talk about historic plays and record batting averages. Then there are some people who talk about Jesus more than anything else. Why? Because they love Jesus more than anything or anyone else in the world. Consequently, they cannot help themselves. They just cannot keep from talking about Jesus for very long. Such open proclamation of our love for Christ intensifies that love. As we talk about Jesus, we find ourselves even more in love with him. That same principle will apply about your spouse. There are, there are a few psychological principles at work here, but suffice it to say that what we cognitively place importance on someone or something, our behavior will line up with our thoughts to support those cognitions. When we lose our focus on Jesus and drift away from the church, something has replaced him as our focus of attention. The same goes for when a spouse stops treating the spouse with the intensity as before. Many times someone else has now the focus of their attention. The fivefold ministry offices and their attributes help develop fellowship in a relationship, especially in line with the Word of God. In our last episode, we talked about teaching and how everyone teaches at some point in their life. Jesus taught the disciples from the first time he met them until he ascended into heaven. He never stopped teaching. The other four offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and preacher, all have teaching at their core. The apostles revealed the word and gospel to the church so that we have guidance and knowledge about knowing who God is and what is expected of us. The prophets taught us about the consequences of both obedience and disobedience to the will of God. And the evangelist teaches the unsaved about Jesus and his promises. All teach. Therefore, we believe teaching is the fundamental gift given to all believers, even if you just teach your family about who Jesus is. Here's a recap about the attributes of teachers from episode 24. First, teachers must be humble and teachable. Second, teachers of the Word are dedicated to their mission and calling from God. Third, teachers also learn as much as they can from others through direct relationship and fellowship with them or through formal education. Fourth, the basic definition of a teacher is any person who teaches others, but we will add the caveat that the Christian teacher must teach the truth as presented by the Word of God. Fifth, teaching is a part of your everyday living. Sixth, the teacher checks for understanding. Seventh, teachers teach with grace and love the way you would like to be taught yourself. Eighth, teachers teach knowing the develop mental and mental understanding of their audience or their capabilities so that you don't un, uh, teach underneath their capacity or above their capacity to learn. Teaching is also at the core of a pastor, which is our second office of the fivefold ministry. You will be a pastor to friends, siblings, and behaviorally by your actions that people see to anyone that crosses your path. The church definition of a pastor is a leader of a church that cares for people and their spiritual needs like a shepherd would care for the physical needs of the sheep. The formal office is when you are ordained ordained, and put in a leadership position with a local church. In a marriage, you will need the skills of a pastor to help your spouse and your children. In a marriage, both spouses need the love and caring that the skills of a pastor offer. You will co-pastor your children. 
you have a chance to be like Jesus as you minister to and help your spouse become all that they can be in the Lord. You help them build their confidence, build their gift or giftings, and your prayer life will grow as you pray for and with your spouse. You learn the power and protection of coming into agreement on major decisions and purchases. You learn what it means to be meek and humble as you put your desires after those of your spouse or marriage. If done according to the Word of God, the marriage institution is the microcosm of the church as a whole. You can become more like Jesus than in any other relationship on earth because you must put into practice the attributes that the New Testament calls you to as a Christian. You must live with another human being daily, and that requires dying to the self and living for God in your marriage. People will learn just by watching you and your spouse interact. You are the pastor and co-pastor of your marriage, and you will learn leadership and people skills that will help you interact better with the world around you. You, excuse me, when you learn to successfully pastor a marriage and family, You will also prepare your spouse and children to be more successful in the world and the relationships that come with it. That is the difference between dysfunctional and functional families. It takes more than just being present and paying the bills. You are preparing you and your spouse to raise other church members, your future children, to be as much like Jesus as possible. Pastor attributes will help you thrive in the world outside your family of origin. The greatest type of leader is a servant leader, like Jesus was. You must care for those that are you, are, you are responsible for and to. When you learn this type of leadership and techniques in familial relationships, then you can run a business with the same techniques. When you learn pastoral attributes growing up in your family of origin or as an adult, attributes such as caring, counseling, conflict resolution, and communication, just to name a few, those successful techniques and attributes will transfer into your occupational life, your educational endeavors, your personal goals, and extended relationships. It helps develop the servant's heart and therefore the servant leader traits, just like Jesus demonstrated. It develops patience, humbleness, character, justice, godliness, devotion, steadfastness, loyalty, caring, and many other traits of a pastor. And guess what? These skills are keys to a successful marriage. And as you learn these traits, the greatest attribute of all grows, love. Remember, where your heart and effort are, that will be the focus of your love and attention. God does not create you with the skills of being a great spouse. The foundations are learned in your individual walk with God, then you hone them in the marriage. There are many talents that you need before you become a parent. Use the opportunity of marriage to get all the practice you can and solidify the marriage and parental foundations. You'll be glad you did. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, January's podcast will be posted on the 10th instead of the 3rd. So the second Tuesday in January instead of the first Tuesday in January. That is the month of January only. After January, all episodes will return to the first Tuesday of each month unless otherwise notified. So for now, God bless you and help your marriage reach its full potential for him. 
Have a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. See you next year. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlow at godslovelanguage.com. 